Hello everyone, welcome to this week's podcast with our guest Louise Zinn, who is the founder of her eponymous haute couture fashion brand. I discovered Louise by chance on Instagram and was initially mesmerized by her beautiful dresses. Each dress is made by hand and each dress takes about 300 hours to create. And uh, Louise can add more details. Uh, this is based on my own research, but what completely took me by surprise and what's different about it is that the dresses are not for sale. They are for rental only. And if you've read my article on sustainability in 2030 and beyond, you know this is a new business model for the industry, uh, for the fashion industry. So each Louis Zinn dress is also created using materials that are upcycled and sustainability is at the heart of it, as well as inclusivity, diversity and activism. Luis, I'm very grateful to have the chance to talk to you today. I'm very impressed by your fashion show, especially by what you for what you stand for, your intelligence, creativity, and courage. And I wrote to you about this. I don't think there has ever been a fashion show where I cried at the end of it. <laughs> it really, really touched me. But before we get into it, I want to know more about you. Can you tell us more about yourself, your background? Yeah, of course. And first of all, thank you so much for inviting me for this podcast. I was very, very touched by your beautiful email that you sent me and also this beautiful introduction. So basically, I am from, I'm born in China. I moved to Sweden when I was a kid, when I was 10 years old, to be exactly. Yes. Uh, I moved around a bit everywhere in the smaller cities in, in Sweden. And I moved to the capital of Sweden in Stockholm for uh, five years ago. I have always been creative since I was a kid. I was started to paint when I was two. And I always remember myself being a creative person. <laughs> I fell in love with fashion when I was a teenager, but I never really found my thing. Like every designer has their own style and I just I didn't know what mine was when I started to trying to get my foot into the fashion industry and let me tell you it was really really not easy yes I didn't know anybody and it was I came from a smaller city before Stockholm and I didn't know anyone and I have no idea where to start so I had different part-time jobs just to get my get together my rental fee and everything and I started to create some styling, some pictures and get to know photographer. And after that, some makeup artists and models. And that's how I bit by bit got myself into the fashion industry. And that was never enough because you still have to have your, your own image, your brand and everything. And it's actually not before uh, 2019 when I quit my full-time job and decided I really wanted to go all in and just become a designer in the very end of 2019. So I created a brand, Louis Couture, in 2020. So it was in the middle of the pandemic in my first half year while I was stuck in Japan, actually. Uh, yes. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so, and during that year, so much things happened. During that time, it was, I think it was a really like a wake up call and like awakening moment for many of us because you were forced to change so many things in your life. And 
And for me, it was the best thing that ever could happen to me because I started to question my lifestyle a lot more and started to question how I can live in a more sustainable way. And when I um, started to create these dresses, and I, I didn't even know what couture was before this. I just knew that I wanted to do something creative and mass production was no go to me, for me. Mm-hmm. So this was a good way to being creative at the same time as being doing fashion. What was your full-time job? I was working in Prada. In, uh, uh, yes. Yeah. I was working in the Prada store in Stockholm. So from there, I learned a lot about uh, luxury segments and I learned a lot about uh, fashion and I learned about the uh, custom service and all that. So I have a lot to thank Prada as well. Uh, it taught me a lot during that time, like the value of the quality and a lot of things. So I am very thankful for that experience as well. And I always wanted to have something on my own. So I'm I never regret for a day that I took the chance to do full time, even though it's not at all as glamorous as everybody think to be a designer. It's a, it's a really, really hard job. And it's absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so I say this so many times because, uh, you know, I have students, especially I am a professor myself. So I have many students who want to start their own brands. And I always tell them it's not. Uh, you know, of course, some of them know the challenges of being a fashion designer, fashion entrepreneur, but I often have to say it's not as glamorous as you think. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> you don't just sit in an office and design these beautiful dresses. It's a very, very challenging industry. Uh, but yeah. I will ask you more about that. What made you create a rental haute couture brand specifically? This idea with rental only have been staying with me for some time because I just felt like, first of all, I need the fashion industry is already working a lot on the sustainability part. But what I felt like is that the whole consumption, the mentality of the society, that's the, like the core of the problem that as long as we don't change the customer behavior and we don't change this pattern of consumption we will never be able to make real change because yeah. it will only means that you will you will recycle even faster yes. and release like out and even more energy during that process so that that's why i felt like i really do believe rental is the new future because back in the days you buy your house you buy your car you buy your uh, cd you buy your movie Today, you, you stream it on Netflix and you stream it on Spotify and you rent your flat and you also can, you know, like rent a, a car and rent a boy and go around all the, everywhere in the city. So I believe we can do that with fashion as well because everybody still are excited about new styles. So instead of having something for just once, twice and let it hang in the wardrobe, it's better to just give it a new life and like this we can give the garments longer life circle it's a big <laughs> idea by the way because uh, i've written an article about it and bain and company together with diana verdanieto they've written a report on sustainability in 2030 and beyond and yeah. uh, basically the rental repair recycle 
the second-hand market, especially, these are the new business models that we are going to see in the industry. And that's why we see also these luxury brands, conglomerates, investing in resale websites and thinking how they can also change their own business model. So what you've done is very, very smart. That's why I was very surprised when I saw it. And what you talked about, it's not being an easy industry. What challenges did you face when you were first starting your business, which was last year? I would say, first of all, when you don't know about in, anybody in the industry, it's very hard to get yourself in because everything is based on uh, a large contact net today. Like everything is based on who you know. And from there, you can get help from to open doors for you yes. and I didn't know so many people uh, when I started I had amazing friends who are creative people just like me uh, they are doing um, movies photography makeup mod models so they are all creative people all just have their own passion and also dreaming of uh, become what they want to do in full time so I had a very very good people around me it was still hard to make your way into the fashion and there were so many rules you know like don't do this don't do that don't speak about this don't yeah. speak about that because not that's not good for your business and basically i'm doing the opposite than everyone is telling me like mass production is good for you like this you can sell faster and uh, don't speak about politics because that's not good for your brand so i basically done everything I taught not to do. And I knew that it was right in my whole heart. So I followed and I'm very happy that you got a very good response through this fashion show. For those uh, who uh, don't know about your brand, I will just tell them last week you did your very first runway show. And uh, what was interesting is the models you see, they, they wear hijab, You're, you are showcasing inclusivity, diversity. They are dressed in your unbelievably beautiful haute couture dresses, but each of them carry the sign. I stand with Tigray, I stand with Afghanistan, stop war in Gaza, one race, human race, and the very last sign, the very last model walked with a sign that said, free Uyghur and all genocide. This is incredible because we know today, just like you said yourself, you are told, don't talk about politics, don't do anything that will jeopardize you. In fact, the fashion brands are told to stay as neutral as possible. So for me, this was remarkable. And we know that a fashion brand who has spoken against this has been uh, what we call today canceled. So could you take us to the very beginning of the show? What inspired you to do it? What was the decision behind it? Yeah, so uh, for me, it's never about politics. I know nothing about politics and I have no, uh, I have no desire at all to engage in politics at all. For mm -hmm. me, it's all about human rights. And for me, it's more about that we are living in the same world and our market is globally. Like today with the internet, everything, you, it's, it's very easy to get clients from uh, other side of the country. 
I mean, I live in a very peaceful country and I'm, I'm very, very thankful for that. But it's just not far from here. People are suffering. And I just can't sit here and knowing that people suffering, do nothing about it. And then just like ask them to come back later and become my client. That doesn't work for me. And also what happened was that I, uh, when I was stuck in Japan, uh, other than the other terrible news about what's happening, what, what happened in Gaza and with the Asian hate and Black Lives Matter and everything, it was one news that hit me really, really hard. And it was what was going on in Xinjiang because yes. I myself uh, is Chinese. I was born there and I moved here uh, as a teenager, but I still remember a lot from the Chinese culture and I do absolutely love the Chinese culture and Chinese people so it was against everything I believed in at first I couldn't believe it at all and it really really broke my heart so I started to educate myself and read more about it and start to understand the situation and once I did it just I basically fell down a rabbit hole and I never could find myself way out again and I tried to find some contacts who who are Ugu themselves so I can Personally, I asked them how I can do to help because I think it's very important that today we, we are so good at like speaking about somebody but not speaking to them. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I mean? Like, so for me, it was important that instead of uh, reading about it, I can, I can myself ask them like, what, what do you need help with? And like really engage with the people. And I'm so thankful that they opened up some doors for me and they they took me with open now I wouldn't say took me open arms but they took a chance on me let yeah. it feel like that because so many people have failed them before that's why it was even more remarkable for me that they took the decision to to trust me even though that I have a Chinese name and Chinese background and what happened was that I met the most beautiful people I've ever met in my entire life despite what they have been through and despite what people have done to them, they are still so incredibly pure in heart and they are so thankful and grateful. There's not the least of hatred and self-pity, nothing like that. And no, no greed, nothing. They just want to simply have a different life. And that hit me so hard because in the fashion industry, I met someone, some of the most successful people, some of the most wealthy people who has a lot, but still want to take more, while these people have nothing and they still want to give and give the help to others. And after that, it's just, I I just cannot take myself out of that again. I cannot just mind my own business anymore after that. So I try several different ways, like contacting help in organizations and ask governments what we can do. And I fell with all of them on those attempts I'm done. And it was my last card to play, more or less. Like, I am not a politician. I'm, I don't have, I have no idea how to arrange uh, events that can provide some donations. So what I did was, I'm a designer. So I would will, I will, I will do a fashion show and I will use this fashion show to raise the voice because that's the last thing I could do. And I did, and the results was amazing. It was beyond amazing. Beautiful. I am I'm so, so grateful for all the support we got 
and I had the absolutely most amazing team helping me making this show become true and without them I, I couldn't have done it myself so I'm really really thankful and I really think that it's some kind of a turning point for the, for the fashion industry as well because never before has a big fashion magazine speaking about the subject and suddenly it's one of those most talked about subjects during the fashion week and it really made me really really happy and you 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 did say a fashion magazine i know that you collaborated with vogue scandinavia on this issue could you tell us more about it uh it was not a collaboration they were invited then the editor was one of the editors was invited for the show and and once she saw what i was doing she was very interested in cover the show and i'm very happy and thankful for her and uh, after the show yes, it, it got really really amazing uh, response so they chose to do another interview as a follow-up as well after the show so they have there's two articles about the show on Vogue Scandinavia that you can read about absolutely and I think the editor is it uh Rauda and uh, no it's not it's Elisa okay her name is Elisa yeah I ask because she's also basically a fashion editor of uh, Vogue Scandinavia for those yeah. who don't know uh, Rauda yeah. Mohamed, she's a first hijab wearing fashion editor and she's also very vocal herself uh, that's why I thought maybe there is a connection there but you definitely you said something which is very interesting the fashion industry is changing it we were told before don't talk about certain things it was almost like it's all about beauty it's all about style but never really about voicing your opinion your identity in a way and I love the change that we are seeing today. Also, this uh, importance of sustainability. We are seeing more and more fashion designers like yourself making sustainability the heart of their business. Also, I want to talk about the fundraising that you started for the education of Uyghur children who are in Yes. Could yes, you tell yes. us more about it as well? Yes, of course. So uh, with the contact I had during this time, they, um, there's, a, there's a school in uh, Istanbul, actually. So basically, most of the refugees they are they live in Tur in Turkey because of the language. Then there's the, the Ugo community started their own. Uh, they are doing a lot of things to to help the community, and they there's this school that, that they founded that take care of the orphans, uh, the widows who lost their family in the camp so they provide them with education and food and safety and and a community and i really do believe that the children are the future and they are being they have been going through the worst things a child can go through so what i feel like the the best thing we can do to help is show them that they are cared they are, they are loved that we do see them care about them support them that they are not alone and give them that kind of hope that they don't they don't see from everyone at the moment. So it would be mean a lot. And it's I saw that you yourself did a don donation, and I'm so so grateful Thank for you. your generous donation. And I was so happy when I saw it because for every person who cares, it's like even one dollar can can be a lot. Absolutely. So, that's why we will also include the link on our page as well to to tell those who want to donate can donate 
I think this, as you said, this, this is a very important cause personally for me as well. Children yeah. are our future and no child should go through these, yeah. awful, uh, these awful, awful things that, you know, uh, and I told you a little bit as well. I was a refugee myself at the age of 11 and uh, it's very difficult for me to watch what we see today with children from Afghanistan, from Venezuela, yes. from the Uyghur Muslims. It's, uh, we shouldn't be seeing these things. They shouldn't happen to children, especially. Exactly. And uh, the most of the refugees uh, today are actually kids, a big portion of it, yes. which is very heartbreaking. Absolutely. I put up yesterday a post where I gave the numbers. We today have 82.4 million refugees. Half of them are children. Half of them are children. This is an unthinkable number. I agree with you. I totally agree with you. So I really hope we can not only raise awareness, also bring some real change and provide some help for these kids. I agree. It's uh, and as I as I said myself, I know that I'm just one person, one business. I may not be able to change the world, but I will do personally what I can. And I feel if everyone had this awareness, I hope to create some sort of change for the better. Yes, I I agree with you, and also I believe that we. I think we often forget about how powerful we are when we are doing things together. So we don't really, really don't need to have one millionaire to donate one million. We need one million people to donate only one dollar. Like everybody can donate. Now I will not say everybody, but most most of us who holds the phone can donate one dollar. And if a lot of people are doing that, that would be more useful than if one two single person will be doing that. So we should never forget about the power for unity. Well, absolutely. And I love your work from it's also stylistically the dresses that you create. It's incredible. In fact, that's how I first started to follow you because uh, you were in Japan and I saw the dresses. I can never forget the image of the dress. I think it has like almond blossoms on it. It's at least that's oh. how I see it. Stunning. <laughs> uh, and then it came your activism, inclusivity, diversity, everything. And you know, I I had to make my husband watch your fashion show as well. <laughs> uh, to everyone I know because uh, it really touched me. And I want to thank you for your courage as well as your creativity, but it takes a great courage to do what you did. Um, Thank you so so much. On that note, as I end our interview, I have these what I call rapid fire questions that I normally ask (laughs) at the end of my interview. Uh, They are very short and you can answer them like that. So first question, what does sustainability mean to you? Sustainability for me is not different with diversity and human rights. It's all the same thing. We are living in this this society and we have a responsibility, which means that for everything we do, we should do it with awareness. Like this, it's sustainability, diversity, and human rights are not different focus points. It's just one and the same thing. We all need to do what we can to contribute. Three words to describe you. 
curious, um, passionate, creative. Very nice. Uh, three words to describe Louise Zinbrandt. Oh, that was a really hard one. I think it was first time someone asked this question. Oh, wow. Uh, give me a second. Uh, I would say unity. I really believe in that. Like, I really believe that we, we are all united together. And uh, cultural. I will always also say I'm very inspired by different culture. And creative. Can I say that? Yes. Like, I, I, I want to. Yes. I, 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 my approach to my dresses is more like a painting or, um, for me, it's like when I create a dresses, I, I feel like I'm more painting than creating actual clothing. What keeps you motivated? Love for humanity. Who inspires you? The common people, the common people who make great things. Those most unexpected people who, who has more courage than those we see as celebrities or successful people, like people who would take what they have and do the best of it. Beautiful answer. Favorite book? Uh, oh, I have many. <laughs> but I, I, I do love thinking Grow Rich. He has, for me, that book has nothing to do with, with money. He's more like what you focus on, what you get. Which one? I couldn't uh, thinking, grow, thinking, grow rich. I think by Napoleon Hill. Yes. Yes, I know it. It's one of my favorites. And also, reclaim your heart. It's a very beautiful book as well. Oh, written I by a. It's a very, very beautiful book. It's actually written by a Muslim woman. She's really, really big inspiration. She what she wrote is absolutely beautiful. I will buy it. I haven't heard of it. Yeah, <laughs> I recommend <laughs> it. Highly. Yeah. Favorite fashion designer? Favorite fashion. Uh, Westwood. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> Favorite time of the day? Morning when the sun rises. Ah, very nice. And who is uh, who is your role model? Oh, I have many. But I would say, I mean, I have so many, I cannot pick one. It's uh, it's really hard. I have like amazing, amazing friends around me they are all huge inspiration for me but if I just what came up in my mind is actually my mother-in-law she taught me love with absolutely no uh how do you say it's she shows me to love the little things like with no conditions and she absolutely taught me about kindness and uh, I'm forever thankful, thankful for that. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. What do you want to be remembered for? I actually want to be remembered for the smaller things, like unexpected ones. Uh, this is something I, I am very inspired by, by my my husband because he before him he's he's a he's a model, and uh, he worked many years in the fashion industry. And before him, I thought that you. You needed to be like a stone face. You need to be like ice cream to make, be able to make it in the fashion industry. But he he told me it's the opposite. Like you can be very open, very warm, and very nice, and you can you can still make it. And he's that kind of person. He does things that no one else is. Like like removing a turtle on the road when we were in Japan. Like 
moving at like a smaller like uh, insects or birds so on the on the street so no one gets hit like no one hit over it like the smaller things you know open a door for a stranger and i think that kind of things i want to be reminded i remember for like a stranger who don't even know me i make them happier that day because i uh, gave them a smile or a door open open or something uh i think that's what we need more in this life as i think eventually how we can really change the world with more kindness absolutely and my last question what advice would you give to your 18 year old self never let anyone tell you that you are too small or weak to make a change and when someone tells you you need to be successful first before you help somebody you can tell them that they are wrong because this is what i learned today very nice well luis thank you for this interview and uh thank you so much it meant a lot to me and uh, i know we are speaking over skype uh we are in two different countries but i really hope to meet one day in person i would love to thank you very much